schedule on the screen, uh, and you'll see the different things that are starting up. You'll see that the sign looks very much like the sign you walked in when you saw this morning. There's one difference on the sign out there. We uh, didn't realize that we were changing one of the dates, and so the sign out there has the wrong date for Awana, which is now starting on the 18th and not the 11th. But you'll see that all of our service times and all of those things are changing starting in September. So whenever it happens in September, it's going to be the new time. So for instance, uh, starting the very first Sunday of September, which is the 4th of September, our worship service will begin at 1030. So make a mental note of that and be here at 1030. And then when our equipping classes start, they will start at 9 o'clock. And you can see on the screen there that that starts on September the 11th. And then our, our uh, youth program, which is called 605, has been meeting on Sunday nights. It's moving now to Wednesday night. And so it will happen beginning on, on Wednesday, September the 7th, and that'll be at 605. And then Awana will be at 5 o'clock starting on Sunday evening, September the 18th. And let me share with you why we moved it off the 11th. Uh, we are in the 25th year of our church family. And so we are going to celebrate all that God has done and is doing and will be doing uh, through the life of our church. And we're going to celebrate that on Sunday, September the 11th. And we're going to celebrate during the service. We're also going to celebrate as a, a church family with a church dinner that evening on September the 11th. It's going to be a covered dish, bring your food, share with the church family kind of thing. And because of that, we have bumped uh, Awana to start on September the 18th. But lots of things will be starting very soon. You want to mark your calendar, be a part of it. And also, uh, in the welcome video, you saw that uh, Ricky mentioned a few different things that are happening where you can serve and be a part of what God's doing in and through our church family. And so some of the things that are be coming up, I've got it on my notes, so I want to make sure I, I hit them with the correct information. Some of the things that are coming up is uh, we are going to be having a partnership with Creekview Elementary School, uh, which is just down the road. We need some uh, folks that will come alongside and be a part of a team that puts that together. Uh, also, we're going to be going on a mission trip to work with our, our ministry partner, Kaylee Vessels. Uh, she is in campus ministry up in Oregon. We're going to go the last week of September to serve her up there. We're also wanting to be a part of helping Hope Pregnancy Center with some baby showers. And then lastly, uh, there's lots of things going on with the BSM, our Baptist Student Ministry uh, organization that's on campus. And one of the things they're doing is a great giveaway for our international students uh, with furniture and things like that. All of these things you can find out on The Hope, which is lhbc.net backslash The Hope and or by calling the church office. If you're interested in any of the ways to serve within our church family that I just listed, call, talk to the office, talk to David Hutton, our equipping pastor today, and he can get you all of that information. One last thing, and then I'm going to get to the sermon, and that is, as Ricky mentioned, we are having a new members class today. If you did not have a chance to register to let us know ahead of time that you wanted to come be a part of the members class, there is still room, and so you're welcome to come. So whether you've registered or not, whenever the service is over with, just check in at the cafe. They'll show you where the class will be happening. It'll be happening after the service will be done about 1.30. We'd love for you to come be a part of that. All right. So, hopefully when you came in, you picked up a worship guide. And when you, when you came in, the, the worship guide looks like this. And on the back side, there's a place where you can take notes as we walk through the sermon. And you can see that today's message is coming from Psalm 119, and it's called Delight in God's Word. This summer, we're walking through several of the psalms. Uh, this morning, we'll be looking at a section of Psalm 119. Next week, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite psalms, which is Psalm 121. Uh, but let's start this morning with... Uh, I wanted to share something with you. I'm kind of excited about it. I want to let you know that I have decided, starting this week, 
I am going to only eat one meal a week. It's going to be fabulous. I'm going to eat one meal a week, but I know some of you are going out, and that's not wise. No, no, here's the deal. I'm going to eat enough calories at that one meal that it's going to hold me over. So however many calories you're supposed to have in a week, I don't know what that is, 10,000, or I don't know what it is, probably not quite that high. I'm going to eat that many calories at my one meal a week, and I should be fine and dandy, right? Is that a good plan? No. Oh, why not? You'll get sick. That is not wise. That is not healthy. We shouldn't say, well, I'm going to eat all the calories. It's going to be okay if I eat it all in one sitting. And yet, as Christians, all too often, we carry that same idea when it comes to studying God's Word. We act as if I can get enough of nourishment if I look at God's Word once or twice a week. I mean, I come to church on Sunday morning, so there's a sermon. I go to Hope Group sometime during the course of the week. Surely those two times, I mean, I'm going to be at church. Oh, my goodness, Alan talks way too long. I'm going to be at church way too long. I'm going to be studying the Word. It's going to be long enough to hold me over throughout the course of the week. Absolutely not true. We've got to take serious the study and application and understanding of God's Word. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119 to see what is said about God's Word. If you've got a Bible, would you open with it with me to Psalm 119? If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardbound Bible in the chair near you or underneath the chair near you, and you can utilize that this morning. If you don't have a Bible or know somebody that needs one, feel free to take that home with you. That's our gift to you this morning. If you're familiar with Psalm 119, it is the longest book in the entire Bible. It has 176 verses. I know what you're thinking. No, we're not going to read all 176. I'm not going to preach all 176 verses. We're going to only look at eight verses. And here's how I chose the eight that I chose. The, the, the book is, is designed this way. 176 verses made up of 22 strophes, which is another word for like a, a stanza or division. There are 22 strophes of eight verses each, which give you the 176 verses. Why are there 22 sections? Because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And this is actually an acrostic, where each of those sections begin with the next letter in the alphabet. All right, And so the first eight verses, it's the letter Aleph. In fact, depending on which translation of the Bible you have, it probably says Aleph, or it has a Hebrew character at, above verse 1. And each of those eight verses in that Aleph section begins with the Hebrew letter Aleph. It was designed to kind of help the people memorize <clears throat> because all of the verses had the same beginning letter. We're going to look at the second section. It's the Hebrew letter Bet. Uh, verses 9 through 16 this morning. As we walk through it, you're going to see several words used to describe God's Word. In fact, Howard kind of did a good job of explaining how we might use different words that all describe the Bible. Well, in Psalm 119, there are eight different Hebrew words that are used for God's Word. I'm going to list them for you now. Not the Hebrew words, but the English translation of the Hebrew words. Here they are. Law, testimony, precept, statute, commandment. There's a word for judgment or rule. It can be used, translated both ways. Word, and then there's another one called promise, and that word is sometimes translated word. So there are eight different ways that God's word is explained or defined or described in chapter 119. And in the verses that we're reading today, we're going to see 
all but one of those. In these eight verses we're going to look at, we're going to see God's word referred to in every verse, and all of those adjectives or nouns, I should say, are used except for one, and we're not going to see the word law today, but it's in Psalm 119. The whole purpose for Psalm 119 is for us to see that God's word, the scripture, God's holy word, the Bible, is designed to be a guide for our lives that we might glorify God, and it brings joy to us. And so you're going to see that theme as we read through this together. All of the, of the 176 verses in the book of Psalm, all but seven of them have God's word specifically stated. In other words, it, it directly says law or statute or precept or word, things like that. So let's be challenged to delight in God's word as we delight in him. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Here's what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It begins in verse 9 by saying, how is it that a person, or as it says here, how can a young man? The reality is this. When it says young man here, it's not simply talking about a young person. It's not simply talking about a person that's a, a, a male. It actually applies to anybody of either gender, of all ages, that, that we as people can live in a way that pleases God if we, according to verse 9, live it according to God's word. So this morning we're going to look at three aspects of what it means to delight in God's word and delight in him. The first one is this. It's on your notes. It says, seek the Lord. And you'll see that beside each one of these three points, I have a dot, 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 because I've got something for you to fill in the blank there. Seek the Lord, and the rest of it would be through his word. How is it that we can seek the Lord? We are to seek the Lord through his word. Verses 10 and 11 walk us through that concept. How is it that we are able to seek the Lord through the Word, through His Word? Because the Word is God's revelation to us about who He is, who we are, and our need for Him and to glorify Him. And so if we want to seek after God, then we must do that through His Word. We can't just say, you know what, I think God loves me and He's a good guy up in the sky and it just feels right to do this and that. No, the grounding, the foundation for how we live our lives is God and God's instructions to us are written in His Word and so the way that we seek after Him and His desire for us is by doing that through His Word. Verses 10 and 11. It says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Let's take a moment to look at this phrase, with your whole heart. Reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 13. It won't be on the screen, but maybe you want to jot it down. Jeremiah 29, 13, God is speaking to the people of Israel as they are in exile through the mouth of Jeremiah. And here's what God says. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your 
whole heart. What does it mean to seek after God with our whole heart? Does that mean the, the thing that beats in my, my chest? Yes and no. Like, the whole heart means everything that's within me. I think a week or two ago we talked about that. That whenever the phrase is used in the Hebrew, the whole heart, they mean everything about us. Our totality, our, our inner man or woman, our mind, our will, our understanding with all that we've got. So to seek after God, he says, do it with a reckless abandon, with everything that you have, seeking after the Lord, his desire for your life, seeking to understand him. All too often, when it comes to seeking after the Lord, when it comes to seeking after the Lord with our whole, with, with, uh, I'm sorry, when it comes to seeking after the Lord through his word, we don't do it with our whole heart. We do it with the leftover part, with what's left over from us. I mean, who doesn't know what it's like to have a busy, crazy day? I mean, we've got work, we've got responsibilities, we've got kids to lug around, we've got hobbies, we've got chores, we've got things we're striving for like success, we're looking for friendships and relationships and family interactions. We all are looking forward to a vacation, preferably somewhere north of here where it might be a little bit cooler. But all of these things... All too often, they take precedence in our lives over the seeking after the Lord. We don't have time to read our Bible because we're too busy doing the other things. Now, please hear me clear, clearly. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm not saying that that's a correct statement. I don't have time to read my Bible because I have all these other things. I'm saying that's how we all too often live our lives. But the word says that we should seek after the Lord with our whole heart, which means let's stop giving God the leftovers. Let's pursue him first and foremost. He is worthy of our worship, our honor, our praise, our time, and our affection. Let us search him, seek for him with our whole heart. To seek the Lord means that we must make a priority for studying God's word. It's not just going to happen. If I don't make studying God's word a priority, even as a pastor, it won't be reality like it should be. Why is it that we want to study God's word? Again, it's God's revelation to us about himself. Therefore, let us study and pursue him through his word. But don't just study God's word. Don't just know God's word. Live out God's word. Look at the end of verse 10. He says, I'm seeking you with my whole heart. Why is it that I'm doing that? What's the result of me doing that? That I won't wander from your commandments. We don't want to stray from the truth that's found in God's word. All too often, all too often the world, Christians, and even churches dismiss the truth that is in God's word because we want to live life like we want to live it. But if we're seeking after the Lord with our whole heart, then we'll study God's word, we'll accept it as true, we won't back down from it, and we will follow it wholeheartedly in our pursuit of honoring and glorifying God. But to do this, we've got to internalize God's word. Look at verse 11. I've stored up, uh, I'm reading in the ESV, I know it different from the KJV if I, when I memorized it as a kid, but it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it mean to store up God's word in our heart? The word store up means to hide it in our heart. 
I, I remember an illustration, so I, I looked it up yesterday to, to watch it. Uh, an illustration from Francis Chan. Maybe you're familiar with him. Here's a, a story that Francis Chan tells about dealing with his daughter one day. He said, imagine, if you will, that I said to my daughter, Rachel, go and clean your room. So two hours pass. She's upstairs. She should be cleaning her room. And she comes in two hours later and says, hey, Dad, I memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. I've memorized it. Not only did I memorize it, I learned what it means in the Greek. And I can say that command in the Greek. And on top of that, Dad, I've called my friends over, and they're coming in a little bit. We're going to sit down, and we're going to study what it would look like if I were to clean my room. Obviously, she missed the point. Her dad had commanded her to clean the room. There needed to be a little bit of application to what he said. If we're not careful, when it comes to God's Word, we'll say, you know what, I've hit it in my heart. I know it backwards and forwards. And we can be telling the truth. We've got it memorized. But the question is, do we recall what we've memorized and live it out? Or do we just say, yep, I memorized 43 verses. Look at me. No, the point is not to hide it away in our hearts that we even forget about it. Rather, we hide it in our heart, pull it out upon recollection so that we can live in a way that would honor and glorify God. So storing up God's word is more than memorizing it. Storing up God's word carries with it the idea of esteeming it, treasuring it. My question for you is when you consider God's word, is it something that's like, ah, it takes up space on the, on, the, on the bookshelf? Or, oh yeah, we talk about that on Sundays. Or, oh yeah, we try to live by that, but we never look at it during the course of the week. Or do you treasure it? Do you honor the word of God? Do you long for the ability to sit down and to study it? Have you internalized God's word in such a way that you'll actually begin to live out his word and not sin against him? I want you to kind of do an application question for yourself right here. And I get that this is a yes, no question. Try not to just simply say yes, no, but let's apply it to our lives beyond that. And here's the question. Are you actively, consistently seeking God by seeking him through his word? Are you actively, consistently seeking God by seeking him through his word? If you don't already have a way to live that out, let me give you some pointers these pointers apply to all of us, myself included. If I don't do the things I'm about to say, then I don't prioritize the studying of God's Word. I don't seek the Lord like I should. Instead, I need to do something where I establish a plan so that I can actively, consistently study God's Word and apply it to my life. And here's the plan that I need. I need to know when is it that I'm going to read God's Word. When I get a chance, not a good answer. In the morning, in the evening, at, at, at break, or during the lunch hour, I need to come up with a time that works best within my schedule so that I prioritize God's Word. I mean, it, I, you probably don't have to think twice. I hope you don't have to. If I were to ask you, when are you going to brush your teeth? Like, you've got a method, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to brush teeth first thing I get up in the morning, or I'm going to brush my teeth as soon as I get done eating breakfast, or I'm going to brush my teeth hopefully a second time at the end of the night before I get in the bed. Hopefully you kind of prioritize the brushing of your teeth. You just kind of know when you're going to do it, right? It's just a part of you. 
Well, if I don't have a plan to study God's word and know when I'm going to do it, it's not going to happen. So when am I going to do it? Where am I going to read God's word? I, I know at my house, since I have, I have four kids, one that's uh, not at home during the school year, but I've got three at the house. If I'm not careful, if you know much about me, I get distracted easily, like squirrel moments quickly. If I'm not reading God's word when the room is vacant, then it's not going to happen. Like I can read it, but not understand it. So where am I reading it? When am I reading it? And then what plan am I going to have? Here's what I don't advise. I don't advise for you to go, well, you know, it's Monday morning. I don't read God's word. Where should I read? Let's see. All right. Acts chapter three, verse 22. That's where I'm going to read. No, we need a plan of some sort. We've got a plan right out in the, uh, in the hallway. We've got a, a reading plan that's from the book of Psalms, where you read basically a psalm a day, and you could use that plan. Or you could have another plan that goes, you know what, I'm just going to start in the book of John, and I'm going to read a chapter a day, or I'm going to read until, um, you know, I'm going to read for 30 minutes, or whatever the plan you have. Have a plan that's strategic where you're walking through God's Word and not just haphazardly doing it. So my question for you is, are you seeking the Lord with your whole heart through his word? And what can you do today to make a strategy or a plan in his power to actually carry that out? And then as it applies to our church family, I would encourage all of us that we would pray that as a church family that every single thing we do, Every single decision we make, every single event that we plan, every single worship service that we're a part of, that all of it is done in a way that allows us as God's people to seek after him by the truth of his word and to make decisions in a way that would be honoring to him based on the truth that we find in his word. So we're to seek after God through his word. Look at the second point. We're to praise the Lord for his word. We're to praise the Lord for his word. Look at verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 starts with this word in the ESV, blessed. It says, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. The word blessed does not mean I'm going to look to God and I'm going to confer a blessing upon him because I have something to offer to him. No, rather to say blessed are you, Lord, is a way to say I adore you, I praise you, I lift your name on high. Because you have given us your statutes to learn and to follow. The word blessed carries with it the idea to kneel down or to praise. When is the last time that you and I spent time praising the Lord for his word? And here is the psalmist letting us know that we are to bless him, praise him, because he's given us his statutes that we might know how to live our lives, that we can literally praise God by learning his statutes. So earlier when Howard was talking about Awana, uh, Awana, uh, is a, Awana is a program that is designed to help kids, kindergarten through sixth grade, and their family to be discipled in God's word. A huge component of Awana is the memorization of, of scripture verses. And, and, and as a result of that, that as we learn God's word to us through Awana or anything else, it is an act of worship to say, God, you are worthy of all of our praise and honor. 
Verse 13 also talks about how we are to praise the Lord for his word. Verse 13 says that I will use my lips and my lips will declare all the rules or judgment or just decrees of your mouth. It's interesting because in, in Awana, they get a chance to do that, right? Like in Awana, they get to say with their lips the rules and the guidance that God says for us. I meant to say this earlier, but I didn't. Every time in Psalm 119, when you see law or commandment or precept or statute, don't just think the law. Don't just think the Ten Commandments. Rather, that is in reference to all of God's Word. So when that was written, it was written about the inspired Word of God called the Old Testament. And now, by extension, that includes the New Testament. And so whenever these kids in Awana say or share God's word with their mouth, they are praising God by declaring his word back to him and to others around them. Whenever we declare God's rules, we are recounting God's goodness and we're telling others about him as well. And so that is a way for us to declare his worth and his honor. Look at what it says in verse 13. He says, I'm going to declare the rules of your mouth. God's word is literally his word. And the reason we call the Bible God's word oftentimes is because of concepts like we find here in Psalm 119 when it says, these are the words from your mouth. You speak them. They're directly from you, God. It's not man-made. A person didn't sit down one day and go, all right, now these are words are from God, so I'm going to write it down. No, God spoke his word into being, did he not? Like it's inspired literally by the breath and word of God. Perhaps you're familiar with this text. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here's what it says. All Scripture is breathed out. There's the mouth, the Word of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So here in Psalm 119, when it says that these are the rules that are from God's mouth, it's holding to a high level of inspiration of God's Word. The Bible is not just some religious book. The Bible is not just some uh, rule book that's written down. Rather, the Bible is the word of God that he spoke into being as those who took pen to paper. I know they didn't use a pen. They used other writing utensils, nor did they use paper. But as they wrote it down, it's not their thoughts. It's God's thoughts. So guys, the reason why we seek after the Lord in his word is because it's his word. It's inspired by him. It's designed to teach us how to live our lives. It's designed to correct us. It's designed to steer us in the right direction. It's designed for us to praise him as we preach and teach and share his word. So here are some application or reflective questions I would ask each of us to consider. Here's the first one. Are you praising the Lord for his word? Do you find ways to praise him for his word? Do you literally in your time of prayer to the Lord say, God, thank you. Thank you that you've given us your word that we might know what it means to live and follow you. My next question is, are you looking for ways and opportunities to declare his word? Verse 13, it says that, that we are to declare his word with our mouth or with our lips. 
Part of praising God is to share the truth of God's word with people that are around us. You're like, Alan, you're the preacher. You're the one that gets paid to preach God's word. You're the one that uses your, your, your lips a lot and talk about God. But the reality is this. All of us that are followers of Jesus are called by God to praise him by declaring the truth of his word to a world that needs to hear it. So my question is, are we looking for opportunities to declare God's word? All too often I'm reminded of a time... And the reason I say all too often I'm reminded of the time is because I, I should have lots of memories that I'm about to describe. I, I'm reminded of a time not long after March 2020. I was at HEB. It was one of those days where you all had your mask on. It was one of those days where you only let so many people in the store. It was one of those days you got there and you knew there was no toilet paper whatsoever. And you just hoped there were some other things. It was one of those days that I went in with ten things on my list and I found absolutely none of them on my list. I walked back out of HEB. There was another lady walking out of HEB as well. And she was frustrated, and I was frustrated, and we began to talk about, I just wish there was some stuff on the shelf. And then it dawned on me, oh, wait a minute. Even if there isn't stuff on the shelf, God is faithful, God is good. And I forget exactly what he, she said, but she said something about, like, I hope that there's a way out of this. And my response was, oh, there is, and God's going to see us through. And so my question, the reason I share that is because am I looking for opportunities to speak God's word? I know I didn't speak God's word, but I spoke a, a truth that's from his word. Am I looking for opportunities to tell others about Jesus, or am I just doing it from this stage? Are you looking for opportunities to declare the truth of God's word? Are you praising him by sharing his word with others, or, or do you just do that when you're at Hope Group with your church buddies? You see, we are to declare the truth of God's word. We're to declare it to ourselves. We're to declare it to our, our family. We're to declare it to our hope group. We're to declare it to the other believers. And we're to declare it to the world. I do want to speak to one other thing in verse 13. It says that we're to declare all of the rules of God's mouth. If I were to go out into our community even though we live here in the Bible Belt, and began to declare the rules of God's Word about certain topics, I would have a lot of people that might get angry at me because they think that God's rules are outdated, unacceptable, and not good. But the truth of the matter is this. Did you know that the Hebrew word here for rules comes from mishpat, which is justice, right, correct, and so these aren't just the rules that come from God's mouth. They are the right, just rules of God. God doesn't just make all of these rules to make our life old or antiquated. Rather, God knows what's best for us, and he makes his rules and his guidance and his commandments, and they are right, they are pure, they are just. And even if they don't make sense to us or the world, they are correct. And so whenever I declare the word of God, I don't do that or I shouldn't do that in smugness and act like I'm better than somebody else. Rather, I should believe that God's word is true. I should faithfully preach it, teach it, and share it and know that God's rules are just. So, we're to praise God 
by pointing out the fact that his decrees, his statutes, his laws, his commandments are actually right and just. So, so far this morning, we've looked at two things. And so I want to remind us, yes, we are to seek the Lord through his word. Yes, we're to praise the Lord for his word. But if we're not careful, we'll stop right there. We'll say, you know what, I'm in Bible study. I'm studying God's word. You know what, I'm thankful for God's word. I'm preaching God's word. I'm praising him for his word. But my next question is, are we doing the third thing? And that is, are we following the Lord? You see, we must follow the Lord. And how do we do that? We do that by obeying his word. We follow the Lord by obeying his word. If we're not careful, we'll stop at that study point. We'll get loaded up on Bible knowledge. We'll know lots of trivia. But the question is, are we applying it to our lives? Verses 14 and 15 talk about this. It says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your way. There's, verse 14 and 15 uses the word way a couple of times. That we're to be on God's way, not our way. We're to find our joy by following the way of God's law. We're to find our joy and our happiness in following the way of God's word. In the New English translation, which is a, a, another translation I sometimes consult, verse 14 says this, I rejoice in the lifestyle prescribed by your rules. I rejoice by walking in the lifestyle that are described in your word. My question is, does that describe you? Does that describe me? Do we find our delight? Do we find our joy? Do we find our happiness? Does it excite us to be able to say, you know what? I'm not a perfect Christian, but I'm striving to walk in the way of God's law. Do you delight yourself by living according to it? The psalmist says, doing that, verse 14, look at it. It's much better. It's far better than gaining all the riches and treasures that are out there. All too often, though, we treasure stuff and possessions, and money, and fame, and notoriety, and success, and the white picket fence, whatever it is, we treasure those things before, or instead of, or in place of treasuring God's word, and living according to his word. Didn't Jesus say something about that? Didn't he say something about where, where your heart is, there's your treasure? So is your heart in studying and applying and living out and understanding God's word? Or is your treasure in anything else? You're like, Alan, but no, no, my treasure's in my family. Like, we just got back from a vacation. We're about to go on one. Or we do family night once a week. Or we sit down and eat dinner together. We make a meal together. We do all of these things. And family's where it's at, right? Yes, family's important, but it's never to supersede the value of God and his word and obeying his word. You see, if we obey God's word, then we do make room for family. And we do love our family like, I should, like we should. God's word and living out his word must take precedence. So to follow the Lord, look at verse 15. It means that we've got to meditate. It says we must meditate on his precepts. What does meditate mean? 
Meditate literally means to gaze at, to study, to look at intently. It doesn't mean, I know some of us kind of think about meditation, to just clear your mind, empty your mind of everything. No, no, no. To meditate on God's Word is not to clear our mind of everything. Rather, to meditate on God's Word means to fill our mind with God's Word. To let it seep down into the deep recesses of our heart and our lives. See, whenever I read God's Word and study God's Word on a daily basis, I shouldn't just do it so that I know God's Word. Rather, something of God's Word that day should resonate that God's speaking to me and therefore I should look for opportunities to meditate on his word during the course of that day verse 15b says that we're, uh, the second part of verse 15 says we're to fix our eyes on his ways and the reason we do that is so that we can follow him and we can live according to his word you see the study of God's word must always lead to life change it shouldn't simply be about head knowledge Studying God's Word should always lead to life change, not simply head knowledge. If you've been a part of our church family for a while, you should know this name, and you should know this book. And if you don't, you should anyway, because they're both good. Like, it's a great name. He's no longer living. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and his book is phenomenal. His name is Howard Hendricks. You ever heard of him? He wrote a book called Living by the Book. And I want to read to you a quote towards the end of the book. And the purpose of the book, I'm totally simplifying it here, is to help us understand how to study God's Word. That as we read it, we are observing things of God's Word. We are interpreting correctly God's Word, and then we're applying it to our lives. Those of you that have read the book said, Alan, you in one minute stated what the book's about, and yet you left so much out. Because you've got to read the whole book to get it. But here's the deal. Here's what he says at the end as he's talking about application. Howard Hendricks says this, the Bible was not written to satisfy your curiosity. There's a lot of people that are curious about the Bible, even atheists, even those that don't believe that it's God's word. There's a lot of curiosity about the Bible. So it says the Bible was not written to satisfy your curiosity. It was written to transform your life. The ultimate goal of Bible study then is not to do something to the Bible. I love this. The ultimate goal of Bible study then is not to do something to the Bible, but to allow the Bible to do something to you. So truth becomes tangent to life. You see, we frequently come to the Bible to study it, to teach it, to preach it, to outline it, everything except to be changed by it. My question is, does that fit me? Does that fit you? As a pastor, you learn really quickly that Sunday, while it's seven days until the next Sunday comes, it feels like about a day and a half. Sunday comes around before you know it. And you're like, what's the big deal about Sunday? Well, if you're a preacher, you have to prepare a message every week, right? And if I am not careful... With God as my witness and thankful to him, this has been less true about me than it has at other stages of my ministry. If I'm not careful, I can go to the next thing I'm preaching, get so focused that i got to prepare a message, have an outline, get that to the office so they can put it in the worship guide, have enough time to fill. You're like, Alan, you always fill enough time and more. And, and then preach it, and I don't allow God's word to transform me. Like as a pastor, am I doing God's word justice if all I'm doing is preparing a message? No, I'm not. God's word better penetrate my heart before I can even speak to you about it. So whatever you're doing, if you're in a Bible study, awesome. 
If you're leading a Bible study, really cool. If you're in a hope group, if you're going to a hope group, if you're a part of a discussion, yes, study God's Word, but don't just study it. Rather, don't just dissect it, which is a good thing to do. I don't mean dissect in a negative way. I'm saying like to figure out what it means. Don't just go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Don't just do everything except be changed by it. Allow God's Word to change you. You'll be better for it. Your family will be better for it. God will be glorified in that process, and our church family will grow as well. So here's some questions for you. Are you falling in love with God, with the God of the Scripture as you study his word to follow him? I know that's a mouthful. Let me say it again. Are you falling in love, falling in love with the God of the Scripture as you study his word? Are you living your life according to his word? See, this is what it means to be a disciple. Here at our church, we talk about being a disciple a lot. We, we have a, a phrase that we use, and I don't want it to just be a phrase. I want us to live it out. It says to, that we are to be a disciple, make disciples, be the church to the glory of God. It all starts at the glory of God, and from that, we're to be a disciple who makes disciples. A church full of that. A disciple is not simply a person who says yes to Jesus. A disciple is not simply a person who gets baptized. A disciple is not simply a person headed to heaven when they die. Rather, a disciple is someone who has placed their faith in Jesus and seeking to follow him on a daily basis. You see, God's not looking to make converts. He's looking to make disciples. And if you and I are genuine disciples, then we will be living our life in such a way that the study of God's word transforms us so that we obey his word. What did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? So my question is, is God's word impacting your life? You see, his word should impact all that we do. His word should impact all of our lives. His word should impact the way that we go. His word should impact our lifestyle and our decisions that we make. And ultimately, we find our delight in his word because it's his revelation to us. Look at verse 16. It says, I will delight in your statutes, and I won't forget your word. My question for us this morning is this. Do we delight in God's word? Are we seeking after God through his word? Are we praising God for his word? Are we following him by obeying his word that is what it means to be a disciple and that is what god is calling us to be about all of that being said i want to make some applications as a church family the first one you've already heard quite a bit about and that is awana why is it that we have awana why is it that we're kicking awana back up why is it we're kind of ramping it up this year to 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 glorify god yes and as we glorify God, the way that we're going to do that is we're going to help children, kindergarten through sixth grade, as well as their parents, as well as their leaders, to glorify God by studying his word, seeking after him in his word, by doing what his word says and praising him along the way. See, we want to learn God's word. We want to store it in our hearts. We want to declare it with our lips. We want to meditate upon it. All of this is not just so that we can have facts about the Bible, but so that we can live it out as disciples of Jesus. So guys, gals, that's why your kids, if they're in kindergarten through sixth grade, need to be in Awana this year so that they can study God's word and apply it. That's why you need them to be there so that you can be a part of discipling them to be a disciple. 
You see, this is not drop your kids off so that the church can disciple your kids. It's so the church can come alongside and empower and encourage and resource you as we all disciple our kids together. And guys, if you don't have kids that are that age, you don't get out of it either because you can be a part of the process as you grow in your faith. You're like, Alan, I never had a wanna. I never memorized God's word. Like, I know Jesus wept in John 3, 16, and that's the end of what I know. Well, come be a part of a wanna, even if your kids aren't here, because you can learn it as the kids learn it. You don't have to bother to tell them, I don't know these verses either. You just kind of go, hey, can I practice with you too? There's a way you can be discipled too. Guys, we've got to get excited about God's word. We've got to get excited about following him. Would you plug in and be a part of Awana? So come to church to worship on August the 7th. Stay after for a few minutes afterwards, whether you're a kid, whether you're a parent, whether you're an interested adult, whoever you are, everybody stay, be a part of the meeting, and we'll see what God's going to do through this program. But the deal is this. It's not the program, it's God's word. Guys, that's not what, the only way we want to apply the, the things I've preached today. Why do we have equipping classes? You're like, I don't even know what equipping classes are. I'm glad you asked. Equipping classes are what we've been calling discipleship classes. Well, why don't we still call them that? Well, one reason is because discipleship involves more than simply completing a class. Discipleship involves living out what we're being taught. And in our equipping classes, there's all kinds of them, some that are foundational, some that teach a doctrine, we're offering that this time, some that are Bible studies, some that are like life application. They're all designed to equip us to live for Jesus. Why do we do equipping classes? So we can have the foundation of God's word to be transformed by his word. Why do we have D groups? Same reason. Why do we have hope groups? Yes, to have a, a, a community of people, but also to be grounded by the truth of God's word. Everything we do as a church family must be about seeking the Lord through his word, praising him for his word, and following him by obeying his word. So guys, let's do this. Let's glorify God by following his word. Let's be a disciple by following his word. Let's make disciples by following his word. And by golly, let's be a church by following God's word. And God will receive the glory and the honor and lives will be impacted. It won't be about living hope. It'll be about Jesus. So let me pray. At the end of this prayer, it'll be a time for a response. Worship team will be up here. Some guys will be near you in a minute to pass some offering plates. If you came prepared to give an offering, awesome. If you didn't, that's okay too. If you filled out a connection card, all you guessed, we'd love to know who you are so we can reach out to you and tell you more about the church. You can fill out that connection card, drop that in the offering plate. If you've got prayer requests, drop that there. And then as we sing, I'll be available at the front. The, 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 the altar will be available for you to come and pray at. You can come and pray with me. Let us hear God's word. Let us say yes to him and follow him today. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this chance to come and study your word, not because of just the ritual or routine of studying it and understanding it and comprehending it. Rather, God, we understand that your word is holy and true because it's your revelation to us. It's inspired by your Holy Spirit, and therefore it is beneficial for us to study and to correct us and direct us so that we can follow you. Father, teach us what it means to be transformed by your word so that our lives are different because of who you are. May we be a church that never, ever steps away from standing firmly on your word. 
and that we might do that with certainty of the truth of your word, with grace and love and mercy to those who need to hear it, including ourselves. God, may we never get ahead of ourselves where we're trying to make this about us. May we always seek to bring glory to your name. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?